Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And in three, two, and one. This week, this, 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 this week, this week, this, 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 this week. This week in Geek. This week in Geek, we talk Five Nights at Freddy's, Sesame Street, and Lost Seraphim. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another week of This Week in Geek. It is November 1st today um, that we are recording on a Wednesday. I don't know when I'll actually get around to editing and uploading it, but it's November 1st as of right now at like 10.21 p.m. So, um, yeah, Halloween was yesterday. Um, How are you, Kevin? How was your Halloween? Oh, uh, pretty good. I handed out some... Uh... Pokemon packs. That's all I did. I, I wore a Ooh. Snorlax onesie out in public, and uh, <laughs> people who were like, "You're Snorlax," I'm like, "Yeah, here's a pack. Have fun." They're like, "Okay," but yeah, that's what I did. Um, I still do the same. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Is there really a difference between right and left wicks? I know that people like debate it, but I don't know if there really is a difference. Do you I probably think to- there is? I don't know. I have both of them sitting right in front of me. I gotta just like it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a meme, Kevin. It's a meme. I I, I think it's a meme. It's but... just it's just their marketing. It's it's how they make funny content for commercials and get people like talking about it on social media and and they're they're manufacturing a fun controversy. It, it's it's not actually a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like the same thing. But why would you waste like so much time labeling it? Because what else are they going to spend their money on to advertise Twix? Like, how else are you going to like like Reese's <laughs> has the rap thing? Like Skittles taste the rainbow. M and M's they have the M and M's to advertise so, it. So they just want to create a Twix civil war within themselves. Pretty much, that's that's their whole shtick at this point. Until they can find some like other gimmick, um, that's it. Oh no, okay. <laughs> this that's that's the whole thing like I, I was very confused also when this first came out it's like wait there's no difference and then i realized that's what it is there is no difference that's the joke of it all do you have photos of you passing out the candy or just in your onesie no well i i think i have yeah. one photo of me in my onesie i think that's right. it send it to me so i can i can actually use the social media that i have set up for us and post it um, All right. I also helped pass out the candies. I also did pass out some uh, Pokemon packs, although they were last year's Pokemon packs. Um, did you pass out the the Gengar ones or the uh, the Mimikyu ones? The Mimikyu ones. I have. I got some okay. really early this year, and then I just haven't yeah, been able to like give them out. So. Oh, I I held on to mine. Like I saw them pop up in like August, so I held on to them from like August, September, and into October. Yeah, or something like that. I I had them in my room for months, and I just was waiting. So my sister made um some goodie bags to give to kids, 
Um, and she put in like glow sticks and rubber duckies and glow in the dark dinosaurs and um, the Pokemon packs that I bought. And initially she was going to put in two packs of candy or two pieces of candy. I'm like, yo, that's already so loaded. Why are you giving them two pieces of candy? And she's like, fine, I'll put in one. Um, but she passed those out. And eventually we ran into those. So we started passing out like pretty much anything we had in the house, like candy from last year when we trick-or-treated. I This is like the first year. No, no, this is not the first year I didn't go trick-or-treating. I didn't go trick-or-treating my senior year of college. We were supposed to go out into Westwood where they probably have a lot of really, really nice candy. But um, instead of going, my roommate decided, no, I'm going to go get high instead. So that threw a plants completely apart. But um, <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, what I did. So we like ended up passing out like the, the old candy or like bags of popcorn or like slim gyms we had in like the, the pantry and granola bars and whatnot. Um, but I was dressed up in this like burlap scarecrow rabbit mask. And I got these um like claw fingers that are like extended. Like, you know, um, you know how like the other mother's fingers in Coraline are like very long and like pointy and like longer than a hand should be. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was wearing. Um, I was wearing, I'm, I'm actually wearing it right now. Um, I was wearing a, you'll see it in the photos if you look online um, when I post, but I was wearing a red flannel and then I had a black um, long sleeve underneath and I put on black gloves and the, the black fingers and I had the burlap rabbit sack mask. So it's kind of like, I was going for a um, a kind of like cursed harvest scarecrow spirit whatever thing, um, and this mask was really cool. I saw it last year, um, when I was on a trip to Spirit Halloween, and I'm like, you know what? I already have a costume this year. Um, I did my um baby face killer last year again, and I'm like, I I want this mask, so I'll just buy it, and I won't have to buy a costume next year. So I did that, and this mask is really good because it's like, it protrudes from your head, so. You, you can't really see my face when I'm inside it. So I kind of just stood still while my sister was handing out candy and people were like, is there a person in there? No, I don't think so. I think that, I think that's just like a display. And as they were walking by, I would like either like turn my head at them or I would like pounce at them. It was great. Uh-huh. I scared a lot of people. Um, I scared like not even just like kids, like teens and adults were like, is that a person or is that? Uh-huh. No, I, I, I don't know. There was a couple people who were smart because one of them saw like my phone in my pocket and like the outline in my pants. It's like, mm-hmm. oh no, that's a person. There's a phone in his pocket. I'm like, damn it. Um, there's another group that's like, oh no, he's wearing shoes. What kind of animatronic was wear- be wearing like sneakers, bro? Because I was wearing my Adidas because I didn't have any like thematic shoes to wear or like bunny feet or whatever. So um, that's what I did. I scared folks. And then we opened up one, like we split up. I bought um one of the Gengar packs and one of the, uh, mimic you packs so me and my family just like split those up and opened a few and there were just so many repeats but it was fun to do that again and then i watched some horror movie well i watched a horror movie i watched um hell house llc which is one of those found footage movies but i actually really liked this one um i heard a lot about it so i was expecting a lot and it's not the scariest like it's not going to give me nightmares but it was like sufficiently creepy and a lot of fun. It was on Amazon Prime Video. So if you get it, if you have it and get a chance to watch it, um, it's a lot of fun. It's pretty much uh this group of of 
this group who like puts on haunted houses every year, like buys up this abandoned hotel and tries to turn it into a haunted house because that's that's their entire job. That's their entire company. And they've done it before in other cities and were pretty successful. But something's wrong with this hotel and weird things happen. So the whole footage, the whole movie is is essentially a pseudo documentary mixed with like fake experts talking about it. And then this found footage that they have a lot of fun. And then I also, of course, watched it's a the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, which is Mm -hmm. have to every year. Um, And yeah, that was that was my Halloween. Have you watched any spooky movies this year, Kevin? I know you're you're not into the horror all that much. Yeah, I I don't do spooky Halloween stuff, but uh, yeah, I I think what what did I do? Uh, I just watched a friend play a little bit of like Resident Evil a little bit here and there, but Which nothing one? too crazy. Uh, four. Okay, that's one I haven't played. That's the one everyone loves. Um, yeah. I still say to this day, Biohazard, which is Resident Evil Seven. Mm-hmm. is still one of the creepiest games I've ever played. It's like yeah, the first two hours are absolutely terrifying. And it was great yeah. because that was like the reboot of the um, Resident Evil series where they changed it to first person. Um, it's it's so good. Yeah, I was I, I knew it was fake. Like you, you very clearly know it's not real and it's just going to be jump scare after jump scare. But it's just it's so effective the the immersion that they create with it. Like play it with headphones if you haven't played it yet. It's it's amazing. Um so the, I mean this year, like I watched I, I, I was really lacking in my horror watching. I think the only ones that I watched really are um Invisible Man, the the original one from the 19 whatevers, um, Creature from the Black Lagoon. I was in a Halloween themed play, so that kind of I guess counts for something. Um, what else did I watch? I watched The Exorcist Two, which was god awful garbage. It was just cash grab nonsense. I watched the new Exorcist, which it, Exorcist Believer. It's a reboot of the series. It's supposed to kick off another trilogy, which is like. It was fine. It was atmospheric. It was creepy enough. It wasn't like nightmare inducing scary like the very original Exorcist was. It wasn't like groundbreaking or anything. Um, at most, as my friend Terrence put it, it feels like it's a uh, it's trying to set up a, a a religious ghost hunting Avengers. Like if, if you see it or if you have seen it, you'll understand what I mean by that <laughs> by the end. Um and then I watched Five Nights at Freddy's. Have you seen it? Or have you any interest in seeing it, Kevin? I have no interest in seeing it, but my sister saw it and she gave me her review of it. Uh, but I I don't what was I don't her think I'm gonna it? go see it. She was like, what? it's not wait, do you don't want to see it because of the spooky factor, or you just don't care about Five Nights at Freddy's? I, I just don't care enough. Okay. okay. Um so I probably won't. I probably have won't. Have you ever see played it. Five Nights? Yes, and I shit myself. Uh <laughs> I, okay, but what? Yeah, how? Okay, just you know, keep going. I just, I'm interrupting. I don't. I don't mean. No, to no, no. That. Like she, she was like, yeah, it's not the same as the games. I like. She's uh-huh. like, I'm more afraid of the games than I am of this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it. They yes, they had to dumb it down for like making it whatever rating it is, like without like truly like spooking everybody. But he's like, there are moments where like 
I remember you look you look at Foxy for like two seconds, and then you just start seeing him sprint down the hall. That scares me, right? But like, yeah. my sister's like, yeah, you you would get a, you would get a shot of Foxy for half a second. You're like, uh, uh-uh. uh, like it's gonna start running, and then it it doesn't do much. So you're mm-hmm. just like, okay. But yeah, I just think I. I think it's for the hype, which makes sense. But like a lot of people, like it doesn't have the same like connection one to one of all the jump scares that you get from, right. from the original Five Nights. I think Five Nights, like the game Five Nights, is one of the most like effective uses of jump scare that I've mm-hmm. ever seen. That's that's enjoyable. Like I think jump scares are so lazy at this point. Like mm-hmm. I think James Wan is it is become a very incredibly lazy filmmaker that can in my opinion, barely do a jump scare properly. He started out really strong with like atmospheric horror and like with the the conjuring, the original one, like it was inventive. It, it was creepy. And now it's just kind of like jump scare this jump scare that And James Wan didn't do this one, but I'm just referencing jump scares. But like, I think the original five nights at Freddy's like, you have to remember, I don't think it was made for kids. It was not. Yeah. So that's why it was so scary. And I played it I've only played it once and it was at a, a game night, a Halloween game night for my floor in our in sophomore year of college. So like we were all adults in there, like shitting ourselves because it was so creepy. Uh, I, di- I did not last all five nights because yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do yeah. that. Um, but it just also the, dis- I think I feel like over time, as we've become accustomed to Five Nights at Freddy's, I feel like it's kind of got the same effect as like the Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared videos where the first one was yeah. just so out of left field and so eerie and so creepy that it, it really took off. And as we as a public kind of got more used to it, the 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 weirdness, the horror, like the design of everything kind of just became as we expect. Like the original jump scares from... FNAF are just they look really creepy like the the design of the the robots when they're like screaming in your face is unsettling and now it's just like Freddy Fazbear is kind of cutesy and I feel like that's the disconnect between besides I I would absolutely 100% agree with your sister that it doesn't connect to the gameplay I, I really wanted at least one or two scenes of of capturing that gameplay experience and we do get nods to it with like of course you get the monitors of of the screens and like the vents and whatever but we never get that like feeling that we're playing the game i feel like the the movie overall just bogs itself too down with josh hutcherson's story and like i don't care about why i should feel sorry for you i want to see like creepy robots doing creepy things and like Mm -hmm murderous Chuck E. Cheese. That's what I came here to see. Um, yeah. Didn't really get that. I would still say it's a fun movie. Um, just just to see the the animatronics and just kind of feel that nostalgia for Chuck E. Cheese and the immersive environment. And Matthew Lillard is great as always. When you have Matthew Lillard in a movie, you know it's going to be at least a fun time, if not a good time. Um, but I, in general, I think it, it was enjoyable. It's probably the better horror movie that I've seen this year that was mm-hmm. new like i've seen this i've seen the nun i've seen um void the, the last voyage of the demeter was good 
but not really scary or, or that effective because they they tip the monster off way too early. Um, but I would say like if I had to watch any horror movie again that I've seen this year, it would be FNAF. Hmm. So that's also like it was I feel like I might have gotten more out of it had I seen it in a theater because I saw it at my because it's it's available on Peacock too at the mm-hmm. same time that it's available in theaters. So I, I went over to my um friend Terrence's house and like we carved pumpkins with his kids and we watched the movie. So I feel like had I gone to a theater and had that like more immersive experience, I feel like it would have I would have enjoyed the experience even more. But I also like not having to pay for it, even though I already have like the movie pass or whatever. But um I don't know. I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it a lot more than what I've else I've seen. So it was good. Um, which leads us into our first story. And the the Ken, I, I don't know how how much stock to take in this but according to an interview with entertainment weekly the director of the movie emma tammy said that um while they were making the film the animatronic props would kind of move on seemingly on their own and feel like they were kind of alive um according to her quote and i'll just read it first and explain it afterwards They did have a life of their own at times, she says. Each of the different moving parts on the animatronic was puppeteered by a different person. You had the eyes controlled by someone, the arms controlled by someone else, the ears and jaws controlled by a different puppeteer. I remember standing next to one of the puppeteers with a remote control in their hand, and the animatronic all of a sudden twitched its eye. I looked at the puppeteer and was like, did you do that? And she said, no. It just needed to let us know it was alive. I kid, but they are imperfect, and wonderfully so. And definitely we embraced the quirks and they would do stuff that we didn't necessarily command them to exactly. We sometimes thought it was gold and used it. So it was super fun in that way, like a real live element. Um, I, I, I That kind of gives it away. It's probably just like another puppeteer accidentally like twitching the controls. So they're not really like moving on their own. Someone's probably just moving it that they're not expecting to move it or maybe a, a quirk of the electrics. But I think it's funny because if you look at another film that was like famous for its animatronics, Jurassic Park, like according to some production stories, the T-Rex would move on its own. Just some mm-hmm. wiring or whatever, like the elect- the electricals inside of it would like malfunction and the thing would move on its own, which would scare the entire cast. So it, they're not alive, but just the the weirdness of, of making an animatronic is is so it's so fun to read about so it gives a little bit of credence to like the whole concept of five nights at freddy's if like they're not obviously not gonna go around in a murder spree or like wander around this chuck e cheese on their own but like it's fun also another thing i realized about five nights at freddy's is i feel like it's it's not as scary because we know what the monsters are supposed to look like at this point. We know how they operate. We know what to expect from it because it was based on a game. Mm-hmm. And the, like the characters are so like ingrained in pop culture at this point that there's no like shock factor to seeing them. We know what they do. We know how they look like. So yeah. I also watched Willie's Wonderland too. I, re- I just remembered. Yeah. Like the Nicolas Cage version of it. Oh yeah. I, want, I wanted to ask you about that. Do you think do you like Willy's Wonderland or Five Nights at Freddy's more? Because they 
have the same vibe. It's just like I know I they're think... different, like completely, but yeah, I think I like the performances in Five Nights at Freddy's better of like Matthew Lillard mainly. Mm-hmm. Um I think that Willie's Wonderland was a better viewing experience just because it's so off the wall bonkers and a lot more fun and violent. Yeah. And allegedly like it came out the same year, I think as the first five nights at Freddy's game or like, that's when it was like concepted. Hold on. When was, did Willie's Wonderland come out? Let me check. Willie's. Oh, it's a 2021 movie. Yeah. So, I thought it was more recent than five yeah, it, nights. It, it was, it was, but allegedly the, 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 I've read that the, um, Filmmakers said that they started writing the movie like before Five Nights at Freddy's ever came out, and it just took them a while to make it. And mm-hmm. and of course, it like you have to write, rewrite, sell the script to a studio, have it produced, have it made. So it, it took a while. Um, but allegedly, like the concept was their own, which is a little hard to believe. <laughs> but mm-hmm. coincidences like that happen, like a bunch of like movies of the same type coming out all at the same time it's happened before so it's not completely unbelievable but um yeah that's that's my five nights at freddy's talk (laughs) do you uh, just do you think five nights at freddy's because i think it it really that in the slender man game i will say kick-started a lot of like the streamer horror culture where it's just like streamers reacting to these horror games that are like put out like a diamond doesn't like I remember phasmophobia I think was the most recent one that people were crazy over um do you think that was a good impact on gaming culture and or streamer culture or did it do you feel like it's a detriment to the uh to everything I feel like it really did kickstart a lot of things I mean you have to consider that, like, even even the joke that I've seen on, like, TikTok is, like, there's something missing from the Five Nights at Freddy's uh, movie, and it's people printing, like, a small picture of uh, Markiplier and, like, just putting it in the corner. Yeah, that's exactly how <laughs> and I they're was like, thinking the, of. The, this, is, this is what I feel like, like, that now it's perfect. <laughs> so, I'm saying, like, I feel like it did kickstart a lot of the culture of playing horror games for streaming purposes um because everybody wants to see like you know a streamer like absolutely lose their stuff um but i do think that that is part of the appeal um and i do think that it really it really blew up with five nights but as we continue on and we keep playing more horror games it's it's become this like topic of oh streamers will eventually gravitate towards that and that's it's for good content and especially during October it's like one of the more popular like categories to stream mm-hmm. um like horror games phasmophobia on occasion too but it just depends on like what what exactly the streamer provides um and how how fun it is you know but at what point is it just like performative screaming like they're not actually scared they're just playing the game and pretending to act like they've lost their shit just because it's what the audience expects yeah i mean that that is a part of the the click baity aspect of it but i don't know if it's it's enough to like you you could scream to and clickbait all you want the genre. yeah 
but it's it doesn't like help them out at all like being fake during your during your gameplay like won't get you enough clicks or get you enough like people to follow it so okay that's how i see it so it, it still needs that air of authenticity yes okay okay i feel that um So moving on to, did you think you were getting away from from lists, Kevin? No. No, I think we got another one. <laughs> we have one more that's Halloween themed or spooky themed for this month. Um, so I don't know if, if uh, after this month, Facebook's going to keep serving these things to me via algorithm. But um, our final spooky list, even though it's after Halloween, um still spooky season in my heart uh this list is the top seven most traumatizing villains in kids movies that still haunt us uh so okay that's very specific very okay kids movies yes horror spooky wait it just says traumatized it, most traumatizing spooky. villains in kids movies. yeah traumatizing okay. spooky or just got it otherwise unsettling to the child mind okay uh, and you said this list is of seven, seven, seven. So. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just put three. I think I think that's okay. fair. Top three, top three is fine. Uh, Large Marge from, uh, from Pee Wee Herman's Adventure, Great Adventure. That everyone mentions Large Marge. Large Marge about like nightmare fuel. Everyone mentions 100%. Large Marge. Hundred percent. Uh, mm, from from like kids movies that traumatize me. Oh. Um, what's his name? the The guy, the the bad guy at the end of Roger Rabbit, Judge Doom. Judge Doom. He belongs in that list too. Like that. I don't know. That scared the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah. Uh, so I I will give Judge Doom a pass on that one. Uh, scary villains. Okay, you said we like, got two: Large Marge and Judge Doom. Yeah, Large Marge, Judge Doom. There's got to be one more, like... I feel like Courage the Cowardly Dog didn't have a movie, but that that's traumatizing villains, for yeah, sure. Obviously. Like, I but... I was scared shitless of, of Ramses III. Return, Return the Slab. The slab. From my oh, curse. Like... God, that was nightmare-fueled. That's, like, one of the few episodes that I couldn't watch. And looking yeah. back on it now, it's not as scary, but it's still really creepy. It's spooky. It's definitely a creepy one. I think part of it was also the uncanny valley aspect of like the very primitive CGI on like it. Early CG, yeah. I think that's also what made it so eerie. Yeah, but of course, and like, like courage is intercuts. Yeah, the they would just throw those at you at random moments. You'd be like, so "Oh, what am unhinged. I watching?" It was such a good show. Yeah, I gave my brother the uh, the DVD collection of the entire series for Christmas one year. It's fantastic. Uh -huh. Yeah. We still need um, one more movie villain, though. One more traumatizing movie villain. Um, I'm trying to think of like what else as a kid I like was actually like deeply afraid of. Um, I'm gonna say this one because it's not on the list and it's not technically a horror movie villain, uh -huh. but just. As a kid, watching Lord of the Rings and seeing Smeagol really always freaked me out. Yeah. I was just 
it was so eerie. And it, it took me a couple of years before I could like actually go and watch Lord of the Rings. I like read the books because like the first one, there's no Smeagol in it really. So I wasn't scared, but I would, I read the books and then I watched the movies and like eventually I got like over Smeagol. It's like, oh, I can watch this. Now he's not that scary. But that's the one that like, oh, got me as a kid. Yeah. I really don't know who else I could put in this list. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank. But yeah, I think Large Large Marge and Judge Doom are definitely on right. on this list. Who do you think is higher on the list then of the of your two? Large Marge for sure. Okay. Okay. I yeah, like anybody who has seen the Pee Wee Hart movie and and Which has seen that by Tim Burton. So you know yeah. it's creepy. You know, you know it's got that it's got that spice. So I'm a, I'm gonna put that in there. All right. Um, one also that I know people talk about a lot is people were really scared of either the witch from Wizard of Oz, the Wicked Witch, or the flying uh-huh. monkeys. My but, parents, for whatever my reason, mom is afraid of the flying monkeys. From okay, see, see there, there's validation yeah. right there. So here's the list. Um, number seven, Judge Doom from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So, okay. <laughs> off to a good start. We, we got um, one. Yeah, that 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 final scene. Well, I mean, he's obviously like very chilling and creepy throughout the movie, but like yeah. when you see him like melt or like go tune and yeah, the weird red eyes. That's just for a child. It's like how did yeah. how did you get that approved for children? Yeah, how did you get a lot of that movie approved for children? Like, not not even speaking of creepiness, but just Jessica Rabbit. Like, yo, yeah, yo, way to awaken some things and some children. <laughs> Um, and that's why we're funny. <laughs> so that's why I like redheads. Now yeah. that be Little Mermaid and and Batgirl. <laughs> I can I, I can absolutely identify where that came from. <laughs> oh, the first girl I dated was a redhead. So yay, she abandoned me when I got sick. So <laughs> rip. Goddamn bronchitis. Anyway, moving on. Um, number six is the other mother from Coraline. Which okay. Yes, the button eyes yeah. and the spider version of the bell dam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number five, I haven't seen this movie, so I can't comment, but the wheelers from Return to Oz. Nope. I don't know what that's about. Okay, IGN. Keep going with that. Um, numbers four is Tarok from Ewoks, the Battle for Endor. I again I don't know this. Some 80s stuff. Apparently, I'm not really up to my 80s knowledge. So now, number three, Hexus from Ferngully, The Last Rainforest. I haven't seen Ferngully since I was a child. I remember nothing about it. All I know is that, like, Robin Williams is in it, Tim Curry is in it as a villain, and it's about, like, saving nature. That's all I remember. Okay. (laughs) But, yeah, this villain was played by Tim Curry, so you know he's got some quality acting there. Number two is the Horned King from the Black Cauldron, which hmm. I know this is like a very underrated Disney movie. I have never seen it. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Okay. All I know is that it's like, it's infamous is like the darkest movie that Disney really has ever made. And that's why a lot of people haven't seen it because Disney kind of hushed it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And also, like it, it did really, really poorly with the box office. So, and the the number one 
villain from a child's movie is Willy Wonka. From Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, the Gene Wilder version, not the um, Johnny Depp version, which I didn't hate. But obviously the Gene Wilder version is superior. But Yeah, I mean, your imagination is still probably one of the best like songs mm-hmm. from a movie. But it's like, yeah, I I guess I understand that. It's like good music, lure them in. Ooh, Nightmare Tunnel. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely it. It's the Nightmare Tunnel where he's just screaming. His, yeah, like, what? His poem. <laughs> that had well, no business like, being there. What is this? And also, like, <laughs> there's there's no way these children are not dying. Yeah. There's no way he's not killing these children or putting them into the candy. Come on. So, I don't know if I would have put him as my top, but I can see the argument there. Yeah, I can absolutely see the argument there, because I again to this day a lot of people I will talk to, just about like movies and or in general or like actors or whatever, but they will cite like that t- one tunnel scene in Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory is like, yep, that's the moment that scarred me as a child. That's where my trauma comes from. <laughs> so that's the last list of spookiness for the month, at least. Um, so moving on to some like gaming topics for me um kevin what do you think about mods in games i think they're okay as long as they're harmless like define harmless like uh, like for the most part i do think that mods are okay to for like your own personal gameplay Mm -hmm. um i think that that is totally fine like you could you can mod whatever you want um and because you already paid for the game, you're having fun with it. You yeah. you can choose to mess it up if you want. Um, so like adding in trains into to Skyrim instead of dragons, like Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, like that's all fun. Like you're you're out here having fun with your own game. You paid for it. Yeah, and or like nude mods on pretty much any game that features a female character. Yeah, like that's for you. Like <laughs> you do that. Um. <laughs> I, I just think as long as they don't like as long as a mod isn't like making a multiplayer experience terrible or right. like ruining the fun for other people, I think it's fine for whoever happens to use mm-hmm. it. Also, the, one of the reasons why I mentioned the uh, the nude mods is because like this this kind of goes in with the story, but like apparently there is a Street Fighter Six tournament that happened in August. Where... Oh yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> You know about this, Kevin, but they were. I, I know. Um, I know about the incident. Yeah, there, there was a a tournament where the guy, like the tournament host, apparently had the new Chun Li mod in the game and didn't disable it. So they, as they were broadcasting, it's just naked Chun Li bouncing around. So that was a, a very NSFW moment, um, which leads into the the discussion of mods. So Capcom is. Not a fan of mods. They, and it, I don't know if they're taking any official action against them right now. But in a, um, I think this was today or yesterday, um, Capcom's developers released a, a what was it like a, a a lecture or a discussion or they had this discussion about their state of of Capcom, um, and they said that mods are not favorable to them. They said that they pretty much view any modification 
as cheating. Um, and they said that they're going to, like, so this is, I guess, the action. They're going to start focusing on anti-cheat and anti-piracy measures in PC games. But what th what they said was um, they're looking at any modification to a game as a cheat. All mods are defined as cheats, except when they are officially supported. Um, part of their, their issue is that it can it can damage the gameplay experience it takes away resources when people are having to like call on the support line and have people fix that it takes time away from developers having to figure out how the mods will affect their game etc cetera, etc cetera. another thing is that they're they're saying that in spite of pc being an essential part of gaming um it's hard to distinguish what's a cheat and what's a mod from a software perspective plus it's like they're also saying that like there are a number of mods and this is i think the worst part of it is that they're kind of policing culture here but again japanese culture is different from western culture there are a number mm. of mods that are offensive to public order and morals when these are disseminated the image of the product is tarnished and branding is effective affected so i mean obviously like I, they're they're talking about the naked mods and stuff here, but yeah. obviously Capcom is not going to be putting out an official naked Chun Li to put in your game. I, I like I, I feel like that's this is kind of just an excuse, and they're covering their bases, and they just they just don't like it. But yeah. I don't feel like anyone is actively like, oh, Street Fighter is not family friendly because some people modded in a naked Chun Li. Capcom, do you, how dare you put this out there? It's not Capcom. It's clearly just some horny dudes on the internet. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about this, Kevin? Like, I I, I, I understand from a quality perspective, like, you can't tell how it's going to affect the game. It might, like, break the game and people will be upset. Or, like, for, for a bugs and patching thing, especially for, like, multiplayer games, how it... I, I can appreciate how it's hard for developers in the software to tell what's a cheat and what's just a fun mod but i absolutely mm. disagree and again this may be just the western liberal crazy culture as opposed to like more conservative societies like japan which like they blur all their porn um i don't feel like it's it's capcom's place to regulate the culture and content like that overall i think that like that was a a mishap on the tournament organizer side. Uh, just clearly, just just take that off. That you you don't you don't need to you you don't you don't need to do that. I know that it it was a it was a fumble. Uh, it's like not changing it, your desktop background when you have a, a presentation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it, it's preventable. <laughs> yeah, You're sharing your screen, like. It's preventable. I I just don't think that like Capcom needs to crank down on it this bad. But just mm -hmm. like just be like, hey, this is yeah yeah no good. Don't do this, and then just leave it at that. Be like the like if if you really need to be like, oh, this will not be tolerated, so on so forth. Go for it. But I I just think that he fumbled, and like yeah, they'll fix it in the future. I I don't think that there's anything else that is like. I don't think you should punish all mods because of this. Mm -hmm. And especially coming from Capcom, I mean, this is just me, like, say, yo, like, even your own 
skin set that you give characters in previous Street Fighters, like, like that's a little like <laughs> I understand like nude mod is bad unless you're like doing it for your own gameplay, but like there's a reason why Disney could not play your Street Fighter tournament when that one player picked Miki or picked Mika, right? She it it's too short of a skirt. Her entire attack move set comes from her ass, and you can't do anything else. So like, plus also all the jiggle physics. Yeah, I don't, that's, think, I don't that, think Disney's ever in. animated jiggle ever. Yeah, you put that in there, buddy. Like, <laughs> that's on you. Yeah, that's that's not that's not us. That's that's on you. You know the internet is a horny place. Rule thirty four exists for a reason. Exactly. I just on that topic, Kevin. Just as as a fellow creative, um, and I, I've heard different like takes on this before from other folks, but like I'm I'm curious. Just that while we're talking about it, I don't know if I've ever asked you this before, but if you were ever to create a character, and one day you're just like scrolling on the internet, and just completely organically you find some Rule Thirty Four of that character, how, how would you feel? Uh, I, I feel like it de- It depends on obviously like I feel like the biggest one is the age of the character as long as they're like, like as long as they're of legal and acceptable yeah. social age like as long as they're 18 like the character yeah is like 18. if I put that if I put that out there and that that is their that is their character trait like yeah go for it like <laughs> like that's that's cool like I I can't control what horny internet wants so I just gotta accept just it and go be like, damn, be like, they like my character enough to be horny about it. Uh, so I'll give you, <laughs> you, you get a pass. <laughs> oh, all right. Speaking of character designs, Kevin, um, have you heard anything about, uh, or have you seen the the new quote redesigned Garfield that's for the upcoming movie? No, when this voice by <laughs> Chris not. Pratt. The, uh, uh, no. Right, click click the link real quick and, okay. and just take a look at it. It's not yeah. that different. Yeah, it's not that not that different. But still something feels very wrong to me and I I figured out what it was. Mm. Like d- does it feel wrong at all to you? It feels a little too fuzzy. Okay. Okay. And possibly it's it could also be that like the darker patches on the fur aren't as deep okay but i feel like those are the only two real big ones for uh, me it's that the, the eyes don't have like the, the the thick black like lines to like differentiate uh, yeah. where one eyelid kind of ends and where like the eyelids end and his fur starts that's mm-hmm. it for me it's because in the new um because for the garfield movie they posted a, a post on the 29th for national cat national cat day and like just just looking at it, if you look at Garfield, you know like it's it's drawn out. So there's the clear, and it's drawn out as a, as a comic strip. So there's the clear black lines delineating everything. They removed the black lines for the the eyelids, and and just that's the one thing that I don't like. It's just it's a very small tweak, but it's a significant tweak for me. What's bothering me more is that he's being voiced by Chris Pratt. But... You mean Mario? No way. <laughs> God, stop putting Chris Pratt in everything. 
It's like how they put Jennifer Lawrence in everything, and then she just got old, and they put Aquafina in everything, and it just got old. Now it's Chris Pratt, and it's been old. Yeah. Speaking of redesigns, um, Sesame Street is set to update its format of its shows in 2025 for its 56th season. Um, Previously up to this point, Sesame Street has kind of just based besides like the main theme of each episode. If you've ever watched an episode of Sesame Street, you'll know that it, it centers around kind of informal short snippets or short segments featuring the characters. It, it, it feels kind of disjointed at times, but it's quick flashes of, of segments that have to do with either the letter of the day or the theme that they're they're teaching or the number of the day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they're going to be doing starting in 2025 is they're going to be adding in a, a longer form animated segment towards the middle of each of the episodes. It's a, they're trying to in, introduce kind of a longer narrative thread, which they hope will appeal to young audiences. Um, Sesame Workshop CEO Steve Young would said, we feel that like this was a moment to step back and think bigger about how we evolve it. It's going to, the segments are going to be called um, Tales from 123 is referencing 123 Sesame Street is the location of where everything in Sesame Street takes place. Um, I think this is very interesting considering how one, it is targeted towards younger audiences because it's Sesame Street, but also with how prevalent short form media is now and how like people are really not willing even even adults like are not willing to sit through longer form content um this is equally prevalent with kids because their their brains are forming and and being exposed to like short form content through TikTok through YouTube through Instagram or whatever with like the reels and like the 90 second limit or whatever like TikTok it's it's increased but um, just with the way things are going and the emphasis on short form video, it's mm. interesting to see the the emphasis on hoping that kids will take to longer form content. I don't know if it'll work. I hope it does because like it's been demonstrably proven that with how modern film relies more on quick cuts, jump cuts, and doesn't let its scenes sit out longer, audiences have grown to have a much shorter attention span which which they can't focus if scenes are too long so i wonder if this will be effective i think it's a noble goal i just don't know if with how much short form content there is now and how much society and social media and, and creators are pushing it i feel like they might be fighting a losing battle here which it sucks because i think sesame street is great and i think what they're doing they're trying to do is great yeah i i do agree i feel like this is going to be a really tough ask (laughs) just uh adding a long form like piece in the middle i feel like is going to be something that takes them a minute you know um the best way i could describe it is like as a uh as a as a film major there was this one like uh there was this one experiment that I remember talking about um when looking at editing and pacing, right? Mm-hmm. Um when you look at the way how certain things are cut, obviously like the longer um 
the the longer certain shots take, the more um there's like a sweet spot between like it taking too long and feeling like awkward and uh-huh. then um being too quick and then like not being able to absorb the information. Right. Um they they did a thing where if you look at an average paced like piece of like information the the edits are like at a at a normal tempo but then they made me watch an episode of coco melon oh, and the the cuts in coco melon are like like a second or like maybe even a second and a half long so it's rapid fire cutting and my slow brain is like yo what is what is going on every like not even like two or three seconds like it lets my brain absorb what's going on it's just like here's a picture move what here's another one move right and my brain is like mm. too slow to figure that out i feel like if you're trying to go from a kid show like that where you're literally jamming pictures and jamming cuts into like a kid's head and then explaining to them like hey you have to sit down and like absorb this now possibly like seven eight minute clip right it's it's going to it's definitely going to throw off the pacing i know that obviously you could cut between it but like i feel like it's really tough to hold attention now yeah Um, and with something especially like going back to how fast tiktok has to edit um and versus like how youtube editing works and so on and so forth like the attention span of the average viewer is like getting to literally like dumb goldfish level. Like it's like no <laughs> wonder that like kids have ADHD and increasing uh, instances now. It's like we're f- look at what you're feeding them with cocoa. Yeah, milk. like they, we not just gotta to focus. They're not allowed yeah. to have like just moments of uninterrupted attention. Yeah, like I feel like that that is also another piece that in like. Kids these days are not allowed to be bored mm-hmm. because there's something going on. There's always something going on um, right. that they never have time to like sit and reflect and like think about everything else that's going on um, yeah. rather than just being jammed with info. But I feel like that's the same thing that might happen with the Sesame Street format. Obviously, they're going to test it. And if it doesn't like if people are like just zoning out during that middle section and not quite getting the the information, they might go back to an older format. But I do think that like, I I don't know if the central idea thing is going to hold it together the entire time. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. I mean, if, if this works and Sesame Street is successful, hopefully other shows will kind of try to imitate them and we'll see a much more prevalent return to longer form stuff and not just like what's newest, flashiest and what can like throw as many ideas at you as quickly as possible. So best of luck to Sesame street. I hope you succeed. I just, I think there's so much stacked against you. Um, But I mean, Sesame street's been always been a trailblazer, I think in kids media. So if anyone can do it, it's goddamn Sesame street. <laughs> Yeah, they'll figure it out for sure. And then just the last quick thing that I wanted to point out, it, it's not terribly big or important, but um, Sears, the, the department stores of, of like Sears and Roebuck and like historical Sears catalog 
big department store fame is is trying to come back. They're reopening some stores. Um, they're only, I think they're what, fewer than twenty five brick and mortar, at least in California, stores remaining. Um, I, I think worldwide, maybe. Um, there are less than a dozen left just around the world. I don't know. I don't know the, the specific numbers per se. I'm just reading what's on the uh, website and the news report that I'm looking at. But they opened a Sears in Burbank, California, which is close to where I am. And I think it was just a soft opening. I hope it was just a soft opening. Um, but people were saying it was sad and that there was like, they had some selection made a, a decent selection but like there was so much of the store space that was still empty um mm-hmm. i personally never was a fan of sears in particular i did like going to department stores i think for whatever reason i like going to macy's bet more than like jc penny or sears i feel like jc penny is also very overpriced and their selection is not that great sears always felt kind of weird to me like it felt so very sterile like you're mm-hmm. like it's the hospital of it it has that hospital like waiting room vibe to me. I don't know what yeah. it was about Sears, but um, it's too it was too white. Yeah, I think like, that was it. And there was like the fluorescent lighting. I feel like that's yeah. like the one-two combo of like, oh man, should I be wearing gloves? Should I have, like <laughs> wash my hands before entering this place? Like, right? Yeah, it's that kind of vibe. I don't know. So I mean, I plan on checking this place out just because I personally like shopping in store in person. Mm-hmm. Um. I again, I liked going to department stores, not specifically Sears, but I feel like part of me wants to go just to like show support. I don't know if I'll buy anything, um, but it's so weird that in in a in an era where like malls and like retail stores are like closing very rapidly, which I I don't like. It sucks. I like I like going to in store stores that they're they're trying to bring it back now. Um, I mm. again, I don't I. I don't know if it'll be successful, especially with how the the media is reporting people are reacting to this soft opening, quote unquote soft opening, maybe. Um, but if they can be successful, again, good for them. Kind of like Sesame Street, if you can do it, good for you. But I don't know if you really can. It's just with everything that's going on in the world, I feel like the world is not wanting to go back to Sears even if Sears wants to try to scratch and claw its way back from the brink. Yeah. I, I don't know. That is the thing that I, I agree with getting stores back and having people go out and obviously like get their stuff, but it's tough to compete with like literally like we were shut down for two years, you know, 20, 2020 uh, to like 2022, right? Like the, the whole pandemic thing forced, everybody to learn how to use amazon and how to use online platformers right yep so being able especially with like i feel like the the younger kids obviously they don't like especially the the high school the youths right like it used to be a place where like you would be like okay well if i want to go and look for something i would go to the mall yeah i know what store i go to and then at the mall after school yeah exactly you you go there you order like a pretzel and you just like walk around and you think about what shops you want to go in right like that's that's how it works um <laughs> i just don't know hung out in that is how we hung out right like it's it's sad that like the current 
state of malls is like it's shutting down but i feel like once again like one you yeah. could always put in new stores and like find stuff that appeals to to us i feel like you have what you have to do if you like if you see like some of the big malls in la that are still like working mm-hmm. like the grove or the century city mall what it is is it's like a spectacle it, it's it offers something that you can't get online which is like mm-hmm. A movie the theater, or... moments, the movie theater, like the the trendy shops that like yeah are more bespoke and individual that aren't selling what you can get online. I think that's what you have to do to make a mall work. Is you have to be experiential. You have to mm-hmm. do something that you're not getting online. Like any of these like random like hot topic products is like I mean I, I love hot topic going in there and just gawking at everything and all like just the the transition from like the, the scary store at the mall to like the <laughs> hot topic yeah it's, it's so funny to me but like you can get hot topic stuff online what you can't get is like the indie retailer who's got like similar styles but it's like they're the the smaller shop that you won't find as big of a footprint online that you have to go in store otherwise you wouldn't know about it that kind of stuff or like events like screenings or like live music or things like that that's how i think you bring people out and it's 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 so weird to me that like well not weird but like kind of funny to me that during pandemic everyone was like so itching to or like claimed especially like people who were anti-mask and and stuff like claimed to be so ready to go like shop in store but like now that we can do it again no one does it's back to amazon it's it's funny to me how they were like i want to go shop in store where are you now the stores need your help exactly i i yeah i I do agree that it it was funny that you know hot topic was goth topic for the longest time and like it was just a bunch of like dark stuff you go in there there's like piercing and just metal music playing all the time and now you walk into the front door and it's all this weeb shit (laughs) because we took over it's weeb Um, shit nightmare before christmas and invaders in and harry potter those like the four things you'll find yeah like in the in the front half of of like a hot topic it's just all the hilarious weeb stuff now so that my bad for growing up and now influencing the market but (laughs) that's that's how it is um i do think that like i agree i feel like there needs to be more things experience wise that make malls attractive enough for people to go um but also like the the certain shops are always like good but I don't think people are going to the mall to do like I understand holiday shopping and stuff like that, but there are just like moments where I'm like walking past like a boutique, like really high end expensive shop in a mall. And I'm like, I'm at the mall. I don't think I could just be like going right. to Louis Vuitton right now. Like I, I I'm broke. I'm here because I'm, I'm here to look at Uniqlo. I cannot afford to go into Gucci right now. So like, it's just it's things like that but also i feel like there needs to be more experiences at malls like the movie theater is okay i feel like that's a good one i feel like there needs to be this is me coming back from japan bias but arcades i feel like arcades Mm. are great especially if they're well maintained and bring you something that other places can't um and just like overall like shops that are unique to that place Mm -hmm. um i know that uh, Next time that I'm down in LA, I do want to go check out the Animate. I forgot where that is in 
uh, in LA, but I've never heard um, of it, so I can't help you there. Okay, so Animate is one of the shops that was in Japan. It is the biggest anime merchandise retailer in Japan, and mm. they opened their first U.S. branch somewhere in LA. So I gotta go and figure out where that is, and then go there. Uh, so yeah, um, but yeah, that's what I think. I think malls just need to adapt to bringing experiences. And if they do that, uh, we'll we'll all be in a good spot. Just the one thing to close it out. I think the main reason why it's important to have the experiential stuff and bring people physically there is because of like the impulse purchases too. Like uh, every single time yeah. I, I I'll go into like a mall, like even like just random store, like the the, the impulse purchase, like I something I didn't know I was looking for, I didn't know I wanted till I saw it. Like th- that's how you. I feel like that that's a, a good way to get people to to buy things is like they're walking around there anyway. They'll see something that they wouldn't have seen if they hadn't been to the mall. And then if if it's that gut instinct of, oh, this is cool. I want it. And they'll buy it. Like, come on, guys. It, it just just put us in charge of shit. Me and Kevin will run things. It'll be great. Yeah. We'll, we'll just, fix uh, I can fix it. Yeah. We'll we'll hit it with a hammer and then it will be it'll be all good. All right, Kevin, take it away. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm gonna start with something that I've been scrolling through off on the side to to start. Um, before we even get into any of the stuff that I've written down, first things first. Um, uh, Pokemon the the Pokemon Center, the Pokemon Shop online, uh, has a holiday collection out. So if you guys are looking to get like stockings or gloves or ugly sweaters, um, they are all available on the Pokemon Shop. Um, go ahead and check them out. I, I've been scrolling through a couple of them here and there. Um, they have Pokemon ugly sweaters, so if you if you are a fan of those, uh, go ahead and pick up your uh, pick them up. Have fun. Um, okay, let's go ahead and move on into stuff that I actually wrote down. First thing, <laughs> let's talk about uh, let's talk about the new Overwatch the Seraphim collaboration. Um, the the biggest thing was that there was a uh, music video kind of deal where they had uh, the new pop man, Les Seraphim, uh, perform with uh, with members of Overwatch. You have uh, Brig, Sombra, uh, Tracer, Diva, and okay, wait, who was who's the last one? Uh, support. Why am I blanking out? I said Brig already. It was uh, uh, Kiriko. Kiriko, yeah. Um, so that's the five that they have in there. Um, they had their music video that went along with it. Um, and I saw the music video and the original piece too. Um, I thought that they were going to do what League of Legends does, where they just let the performers perform the song and then all the animation is done in game so that each one of their characters is like, each one of the characters is essentially like a personification of a member from from the band uh, or from the group itself. Um, they have five members, so five members, five Overwatch, five and five. It makes sense. Um, mm. The other thing that they added were skins and the dance to go into the game itself. So um, yeah, uh, you can you can get the La Seraphim. Uh, skins that they had in the original music video in game uh if you guys are streaming right now be careful um 
oh. when you do open the menu, it does play Perfect Night. So, uh, some some Overwatch streamers are like, ah, we have to like mute the game, uh, before we go and stream because uh, you might get copyright strict, trucking copyright striked, uh, however you want to call it. Um, so yeah, other than that, I think that the concept and the idea was kind of cool where it cut between the two. It really does show off more of what Les Seraphim is as a group rather than just having them. Uh, being the persona of what they are in Overwatch 2. Um, but I would... This is just a me thing. I feel like you could do two of them. You can do... This is something that League doesn't do. Um, but there should be one, one version, which is just the Overwatch characters. You're telling a music video story via the Overwatch universe and like the same thing that uh riot does with their music videos right um and then on the second one showcase the showcase the actual group and give them some of the special effects that you have in the game as well to really complement mm-hmm. like the tie-in between the two so one is more of like a choreography version and the other one is the music video version um the reason why that that would work is one it gives promotion to the actual like artists to really show off like obviously like if the dance is good and the song is good, people will perform the dance, gets trending, keeps Go it going. Viral. You put do the same thing in game where you use the main chorus dance part as an emote, then you get mm-hmm. even more people like on board. So I do think that that is a play that like Overwatch can look forward to in the future if they want to go ahead and do something like that. Uh, but overall, this is a nice step in the right direction, in my opinion. I think that like it may yes it looks like it's like we have to compete with riot to bring people back to overwatch kind of deal but i do think that if you do it in a very in a more unique way than just saying like okay like one music video kind of intercutting it kind of takes you out of the moment of enjoying the cinematic that would have been the music video and yeah. like just this random intercut of like here is the here's the original artist yeah, um, like you don't have that sense of immersion i think is is what yeah, i'm getting from it exactly i i feel like that that should be a way to to really dive in there so um yeah that that's what i think i think it's a it's a good step if you guys are still into if you guys are playing overwatch uh you can go ahead and get all of this stuff in game um it it looks really nice but uh your boy has been long retired uh <laughs> They they did, however, pull me out of retirement this weekend. I forgot to mention this at the top of the of the broadcast, but I went to my uh, old college. I went back to the Academy of Art um, because they were having an Overwatch tournament this weekend, oh. and they were like, "Hey, like I don't, I just dropped in because like I'm I'm old and I wanted to see how the uh, how the esports production class is handling it," mm-hmm. um, because. The last time that they ran it was when I was not when I was a student, but I was still more like active in the community. Um, so it was me just seeing like, okay, how is the studio running? Is everything all good? How are the new students? Are they like having fun with the cast and commentary? Is there things that I need to drop in and like say hi or like give them tips about? Um, and I was like, okay, they they ran the tournament as is, and then uh, in typical like college fashion, the tournament quote unquote starts at x time right so like let's say 
tournament starts at one, right? Uh, tech difficulties and getting people in chairs is always the hardest part. Yeah. Um, so, you know, games don't start till 2.30. And then we we finally get like a couple games going, a couple games on broadcast. And there's a couple broadcasting hiccups. That's just how it is. Um, and so on and so forth. But overall, I think the event went well. Uh, long story short, I was also pulled in because some of the students didn't show up to play yep. on their teams. So your boy was pulled out of retirement and had to play against his old teammates on both teams. Uh, and I won. So I guess I get bragging rights on that end. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to... I guess the, the moral of the story is there needs to be more tank players that are equally as aggressive as me. Uh, <laughs> I there there are some people who are just like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do things here and there. And like you start seeing a couple people like pushing the same tempo as me. But then like when I was playing against like one of my friends who I, I know he plays tank, I know the style that he plays. I'm like, I'm going to just I'm I'm going in your back line. You you could hop on my back line. I'll hop on your back line. We'll see who's Zen and Ana die first. We're <laughs> we're just we're just playing speed run at this game. Um, but yeah, it, it was good. Good coordination. I didn't know anybody on my team. We just I just did classic shot calling and yeah, it was it was pretty good. Um, I know that RU is doing more tournaments later down the line, and they have invited me back to possibly cast those. So I'll give you guys a heads up if I do hop into one of those games. Um and uh, we'll see if Kogashi also wants to take a shot at something like that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, overall, you got to bring Kogashi. He's just got to. He's just got to see what's up. Um, but yeah, overall, in terms of the new uh, Overwatch stuff, the La Seraphim collab is out. If you guys want to check it out, go ahead. Um, Overwatch still kind of fun. Uh, I just got to bring my friends along for the ride. That's the hardest part is getting the team. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, let's move on into the weeb stuff, switching from gamer hat to weeb hat. Uh, let's start with Kino Kuniya, which is one of the bigger uh, book retailers uh, for usually like Japanese media in general. Um, they do have a new membership card design out. Uh, they don't do this that often, um, but every once in a while they will drop a cool uh, design for us. The biggest one that they did most recently was when Suzume came out um, in the States, which is that is the latest Makoto Shinkai film. Same guy who made um, Your Name and Weathering With You. Um, the poster for the card or the poster for that movie turned into a Kino Kuniya uh, membership card that you can get. Um, so that's that was really cool if you guys wanted to go ahead and get something like that. Um, but the newest one that they just unveiled um, earlier today was um, a collaboration with Hirohiko Araki, who is the guy who makes JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, it is a picture of Dio and Jotaro from part three facing off against each other on the card. Um, it looks really cool. Um, as a big JoJo's nerd, I, I like this. I like this kind of art. And I think that that on a Kino Kuniya card, I'm getting it. Um, if you have a membership already, um, it only costs you five bucks to switch from your old card to the new card. Um, so if you just are looking to collect like these kind of cool, like little poster cards, go ahead and do it. Um, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm probably going to get, um, I'm going to get this new one. I'm going to use it until there's a new one and then I'm going to rotate it out. Um, but that is what we have for 
for that, if you guys are looking to possibly get an annual fee for it, um, you guys, it, it costs twenty five bucks a year, and you get ten percent off of any purchase that you that you do in in a Kinokuniya, either online or in store. Um, so yeah, it's a cool little card. Um, if you guys like JoJo's, you could get a JoJo's card. Um, I know that I'm gonna pick it up. Uh, it's just a matter of me getting out there and uh, finding the time to do it. Last thing to go ahead and wrap up today, uh, let's talk about the manga releases. There's only two of them that came out this week that we really have to touch on. Uh, first one is Dress Up Darling 10, and then the other one is the Full Metal Alchemist 20th Anniversary Book. 20, 20th Anniversary Book, by the way, is hardcover. It, it has been 20 years. It, oh it didn't come to the States for a while, so uh, uh, you don't really have to worry about that. Yeah, that <laughs> tends to happen with like imported culture from other places. Yeah, Um. But the 20th anniversary book is hardcover. So if you guys are looking to match it with the full metal editions, they will flush with them. So it looks really, really nice. Um, as for next week, things to look out for. Um, the biggest one is One Piece uh, 104. Uh, volume 104 is out for One Piece. That Actually, that comes out next week. Yeah. Next week, One Piece 104. Next, Shangri-La Frontier 8 does have an anime out right now. Uh, if you still want to keep going on the manga, you can get it there. And last but not least is Blue Box 7. It is Shonen Jump's latest romantic uh, comedy with a little bit of a sports element uh, hopped in there as well. So make sure to go ahead and pick those up. Um, I will be doing a TikTok soon about all of the releases in November. So if you guys do want to check out all of my stupid manga content, um, it is Kana Manga on TikTok. Um, K-A-N-A-M-A-N-G-A. Lots of A's. Uh, but that's how you do it. Okay, so that I, I, you know what we, I felt like this episode went way longer than I thought it would, which is not bad because we had a lot of good conversation. But like, I'm looking through like the, the news this week, and I'm like, I feel like I was scraping to get yeah. some stuff to talk about because like I don't know. Generally, I feel like this time of year is like hit or miss with entertainment news. It's either there's so much coming out, and it's like we're we're stuffing each episode and just. Mm-hmm choking on pop culture or it's like this year where there's like nothing around this like november and we have to wait till like maybe no nothing nothing even really happens in december there's not much besides like christmas movies or anything that happens yeah uh, spring is when things like start to come alive yeah i i totally agree as well for the manga community i think that the only couple days that we really have to worry about is this upcoming november 21st which has quite a few books and the 28th and then like closer to the actual holiday season is a big drop but as long as we as long as like i'll give you guys heads up of like where you should look to go and get certain books um especially heading closer to the holiday season it will definitely help you out with your wallet okay so as as we wrap up this episode kevin what's your advice for enjoying the fall season now that we're in november um pumpkin spice is overrated go get anything that's apple cider uh that is going to be the new meme um i i had a hot apple cider earlier today is very good um and yeah um if you see something in a store go and pick it up that that's it have fun treat yourself just as you would treat other people during the holiday season get treat treat yourself as well All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great week. Hope you had a great week. 
um, and, and enjoy some apple cider. Thanks, and we will catch you next week. Adios. Next week, we bring you the latest news and stories from around the internet. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us and rate us five stars on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also follow us on all social media at TwigPod, that's T-W-I-G-P-O-D. And feel free to send us any questions, comments, or any suggestions of topics you'd like us to cover. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week in Geek. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.